Owen on the turn, and Gerrard's made a fine run. Steven Gerrard doubles Liverpool's lead. Hello and welcome to our final Anfield Central podcast where we take a look back at the treble winning season of 2001, celebrating some of the men who played a part in that win 20 years ago today when Liverpool won the FA Cup, the League Cup and the UEFA Cup. And we've saved the best till last. We're talking about the general, the man himself, Mr Liverpool, Stephen Gerrard. We could just stop it there, really. I mean, we don't really even need to say much more, do we? Because everyone knows how great Stevie was for Liverpool during his career. But in 2001, he obviously played a massive part in the treble win. It was kind of his breakout season in many ways. He hit double figures and goals for the first time, scored in the UEFA Cup final, played a massive role in in the FA Cup and and League Cup final. When you think of Steven Gerrard, you think of those kind of grabbing the game by the scruff of his neck and pulling Liverpool over the line. And this is really all started in 2001 with his performances in that year, James. I think that's the season we sort of took scene and go from the boy to the man, really. I think, you know, when, especially if you look at the, the videos of him coming off the benches in against in his, on his debut, he looks like a child. And then, yeah. you know, it's only just a couple of years later and, he, he, you know, he's scoring in a UEFA Cup final and he's helping, he's scoring goals from midfield. He's scoring screamers against all, you know, against United at Anfield. And I think that's just sort of, the season where everyone just started to sit back and I think it was the neutral fans as well I think you know we've got another one to add to the Pulse goals we've got another one to add to the Frank Lampard you know this is you know the golden generation as they were called and like I said I think that's where a lot of people sat back and said you know this guy is going to be the real deal instead of before that it was all potential and you know what could be for Steven Gerrard but I think from that season at the end of it everyone came away from it and thought yeah They've got some hell of a player on on, on the hands here. Yeah, he um, it was just ridiculous. Um, even back then, you could see that he was going to be just well, what he became this box to box dynamo who just ran up and down the pitch, scoring goals, making tackles, Roy the Rovers kind of stuff. Um, but I think I think what really helped him that season was the emergence of Michael Owen. Um, or emergence, like the continued emergence of Michael Owen, because all the pressure wasn't put on him as the academy product. Um, he was just seen as another talented kid coming through um, uh, with that little generation of uh, Liverpool players coming through the academy. But he was just, he was such an athlete. Um, he had pace, he had strength, he could shoot. He just, he had that little bit of everything that he would only go on to polish as he went through his career and score a goal as well against Alaves in the UEFA Cup final would have just been such a huge confidence boost for him, I'm sure, going um, going into the latter parts of um, his career. Yeah, I think I'm right in saying he's the only player to ever score a UEFA Cup final goal, an FA Cup final goal, a League Cup final goal and the Champions League final goal. So that shows you what kind of a big game player he was. He was popping up in all those finals. Um Obviously, he was a Liverpool fan his whole life. That's well documented. Um, he absolutely bleeds Liverpool red. Do you think with that was clear in the way that he played the game? He was tough tackling. He was giving absolutely everything. He was quite literally at times dragging Liverpool through games and making players who are nowhere near as talented as himself, making them perform to his level. Do you think that kind of identity he felt with the club, this is, you know, this is my club, my city. Do you think you could see that in his performances? 
Hey, I think there's especially, you know, if you're looking at the title run under Brendan Rodgers and, you know, the Champions League run in 2005, sometimes, he, you know, he looked like he was on his last legs, um, but still found a way to catch, you know, to run through the barriers for the club. You know, you look at that Champions League final and it looks like he's going down with cramp. He played right midfield, left midfield, right back, central midfield. Yeah. And I think that just sums him up, you know, as a whole. I think in his early career, I think, you know, you sort of see him. He had a bit of an attitude about him. Um, you know, I remember him getting sent off against Everton for stamping on Kevin Campbell. And I think that's where we spoke about it before, the likes of Gary McAllister, where they've just sort of nurtured Gerard and said, listen, if you want if you want this to be your club and you want to play for your club and you want these fans to love you, this is the kind of player you've got to be. You don't have to be the tough tackle midfielder who's going to go through players to win the ball and get the fans on the feet that way. You know, you, you can dictate the play and you can score these goals in cup finals that he's done. And, you know, obviously the way he went about his career and how he was loyal to the club when, let's be honest, we were pretty bang average from 2005 all the way up to the arrival of Fernando Torres. Um, you would just have to take your hat off to him. And it's very rare you get players like the like Steven Gerrard these days who will dedicate their whole career to, to one club in in, in Specifically, I think that's that's a good point. If you actually think about the genuinely good Liverpool sides that Steven Gerrard played in, you've got the one for the um, our funny our funny treble. Um, you've got that little period from probably what two thousand and six ish to two thousand and nine. Um, because let's be honest, Istanbul was amazing, but that was not a great side. Um, I mean, they finished fifth in the Premier League behind Everton, for God's sake. Um, and then the 2013-14 um title challenge side, that's it. All the rest of the time that he was at Liverpool, he played with some pretty bang average and even in some cases just genuinely bad teams. Um, I mean, like the idea of a player as good as Steven Gerrard having to play in a midfield with the likes of Paulson and then having Paul Konchesky as his left back and still saying, no, I don't want to leave, is just unbelievable. Because I think so many Liverpool fans would say, no, I would be the same. I would stay. I would do all of this. But the reality is, if you put 95% of Liverpool fans in the position where let's say Jose Mourinho at Inter Milan is saying, do you want to come here and play with Esteban um, Cambiasso and Schneider and be the third man in that midfield um, after we've just won the Champions League and you can get away from Paul Konchesky and never have to see him again in your life? You're going to say yes. Um, But he, for some reason, decided no. So all I can say is thank God for that man because if you take Steven Gerrard out of those Liverpool teams during that time. I genuinely reckon that Liverpool team in particular under Roy Hodgson was bad enough for a relegation battle. It genuinely could have been that bad, I think. Yeah, well, until until Kenny came in in, in the January, I think it was very much on. Um, but going back to 2001 and maybe a little bit earlier than that, Stevie obviously made his debut in 1998. Um, but Gerard Houllier was really the first manager to really get the best out of Gerard and he was there at the very, very start of his career. 
Gerard has spoken about Julio's influence on him many times. Julio's management style is obviously very different to Benitez, where Gerard and Benitez kind of were a lot more distant with one another due to Rafa not really being the best man manager. But Gerard Julio is very much an arm around your shoulder, get to know him off the pitch type of manager. Do you think that at that point of Gerard's career, you know, in his early twenties, late teens, was was needed to kind of mould him into the player he became? Definitely, like I said before, when he first came onto the to the scene, he was very hot headed, flying into tackles and getting sent off uh, quite a few times. And I think that's what he needed, you know, Jared Julia to put the arm around the shoulder and say, you know, listen, this is, I know what kind of player you're going to become, and it's my job to help you get from here to there. Um, but I think the biggest tell of the you know, biggest sign of the relationship and what sort of bond they had as manager and player was. Gerard Houllier making Gerard captain. Yeah. You know, we already had Sammy Hemi, Sammy Hippier as captain, and you know, was a very good captain, big leader at the back. But then to take that captaincy off Sammy Hippier and to pass it on to a young Stephen Gerrard and say, "You take the reins now. This is your club." I think that just has a big effect on, you know, where Houllier stood with Gerard and where Gerard stood with Fulier. And I think it's very rare these days to see such an experienced player get the camps as he taken off them for such a young player. Um, and I think that just tells you everything you need to know about the two of them. I think, yeah, that, that, that was just a huge moment in Steven Gerrard's career. That, that move was so risky. That could have gone so badly wrong to put the pressure like that to become Liverpool captain on the shoulders of the, the hat on the shoulders of a player that young, um, Gerald could have crumbled under that. And I, I honestly, I wouldn't have blamed him. It's so much pressure to be that to be the captain, especially to take it off a really popular and experienced figure like uh, like Sammy Hoopier. Um, yeah, it was huge, and I think that should only add to Gerald's legacy. I don't think we ever saw that that fire get put out. Um, uh, from Gerard completely because like people spoke to him he's he's admitted himself early on in his career um, about his tackling saying you're going to either hurt yourself or you're going to hurt someone else with the way that you're you know throwing yourself into tackles like a like a Lee Catamol on steroids um, <laughs> um, but he yeah he managed to rein it in he managed to get a bit of discipline despite occasionally doing the odd stupid thing um, later in his career and Herrera's ankle I'm sure will um, uh, testify to that um, but yeah I'm so glad that we have figures like McAllister like Julio to take a really fiery young player with so much talent that could have turned into a I, I genuinely think his work rate was so good but I think like with his sort of um, all-in style of play. I think that talent could have been wasted if we didn't have such great figures like Julio and McAllister to teach him, to discipline him um, and help mould him into the player that he became. Obviously, as we've alluded to, as others left, he he always remained, other than a few flirtations with Chelsea and Jose Mourinho. He was very loyal, I think it's fair to say. Obviously, he came very close to leaving on one occasion, but I don't think he ever truly wanted to go he's that's with the likes of you know Michael Owen went 
Fernando Torres came and went, same Luis Suarez came and went. There's so many names you can say of these these fantastic players who came and and went, but Stevie remained until 2015. How with all that in mind and how much we all clearly <laughs> love the man, how good is it that we never actually saw him get over the line and, and, and win the league? Something I don't think I'll ever get over, um, to be honest with you. I, you know, like I said, you, you see this man run through brick walls throughout his entire career to just get this one trophy, the one last thing he needed to do for this club. And he, he just couldn't get over that line. And, you know, he's, he's done past interviews since that game, you know, that season. He said, that's one thing that will always haunt him. He'll never be able to get over, you know, the slip against Chelsea and not delivering that title to Liverpool. Because regardless of everything he's done in his career, that's the one thing that everyone will remember him for, sadly. Um, but it, it, yeah, it's it's gutting. Like he said, Torres came and went, Suarez came and went, Alonso came and went, um, some other you know other world class players came and went, and I think you know obviously it it did test his his loyalty and obviously you mentioned that before just going back there was that one point where he was close to going I think that all came around because there were so many average players in that squad who got new contracts from the club on the back of the Champions League win, but Gerard was never offered an extension and all these other players were getting new contracts apart from him. So I think that's where he just sort of felt he wasn't loved by the club, but luckily that got resolved. But yeah, it's it, it's heartbreaking for him. Yeah, I mean, it it almost felt like it was written, didn't it? When um when that slip happened, you know, someone who had done all of this for Liverpool and they come so close, and then to have that player be the one who became the symbol of that collapse at the end of that year when there were so many other reasons for it like you know <laughs> playing Martin Skirtle and Mamadou Sako is your centre-back partnership with John Flanagan at, at, <laughs> on the on one side of the fullbacks like it just and then Jordan Jordan Henderson getting sent off um, late against Manchester City I genuinely think if Jordan Henderson doesn't get that red card I think we win that title I think that is he was that important to that team. Um, but yeah, for that to happen, and like as James talked about the um, transfer request to Chelsea, those are the two real heartbreaking moments for Liverpool fans. But I think in in his position, you know, not being offered the contract when everyone else was signing these new bolstered contracts after all he'd done. I mean, like pretty it's pretty obvious to say this. Istanbul doesn't happen without Steven Gerrard. And for, for him not to have been offered the contract as soon as possible was um a bit of an insult. And I can understand why he wanted to move away. Maybe not to Chelsea. I think if that had happened, I I don't know what that would have done to his legacy. I think I think we would have seen a Michael Owen situation. Um, in that regard, if he'd gone to Chelsea, especially with how bad the feeling was towards Jose Mourinho from Merseyside at that point, and we could have brought in whoever we liked. Like if we if we got the thirty five odd million that they were talking about at that point, which back then was a stupid amount of money, um, we could have signed Michael Balak. We could have signed whoever we wanted, but no one was going to have the impact that Stevie did. Yeah, absolutely. And th- this week at time of recording. Um... Stevie has been one of the first six or seven players to be named in the Premier League Hall of Fame. Um, 
alongside some other you know great names like Thierry Henry and Dennis Bergkamp and David Beckham. He's the only Liverpool representative. There's been a bit of of as you can imagine jibing from other fans saying, "Well, how can a player that has never won the league be in the Premier League? You know, best five or six players, which is essentially what the point of the Hall of Fame is, but." When you look at his pure ability, what it did for Liverpool, the longevity of his time in the Premier League, you know, he spent a good 15, 15, 16 years at the highest level. He, he more than deserves his place in there in terms of his talent. And I would argue he's one of the greatest ever Premier League midfielders to ever play in, in, in the Premier League. Would you agree with that? 100% he deserves to be in that in that Hall of Fame. He has more Premier League team of the year appearances than any other midfielder that has been in the Premier League. He has more UEFA team of the year. Um, play, uh, you know, he's been in that more than any other Premier League player in the history of that. So just not having that one title should not overshadow what Steven Gerrard did, not just for Liverpool, but for English football. He is arguably one of the most talented English players this country has ever produced. He had it all. He could go forward. He could defend. He completely changed his position coming to the back end of his career. And you can't just throw everything away that he did for the club, just purely on the basis of, and for the league, not just not just Liverpool, but for the league, by just saying, but he's never won the league, so he can't be in it. That's, that's a 12-year-old response to a grown man's debate. And I think that's... I've seen quite a few of them where they've said, why is Alan Shearer gone in it? <laughs> you know what I mean? This is just the day and age we're living in where people sat behind Twitter accounts like to have an opinion. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, how can you not have one of the greatest English midfielders this country has ever produced? I think he's the best, but um, how can you not have him in the Premier League Hall of Fame? There's just no debate. Yeah, I mean, Stephen Gerrard belongs in that Hall of Fame as much as anybody, despite not winning the actual thing. I mean, for me, the thing that settles it is his presence in the UEFA team of the 21st century so far, alongside Xavi and Iniesta in a three-man midfield. There's no Michael Ballack, there's no Frank Lampard, there's no Paul Scholes, there's no Sergio Busquets. It is Steven Gerrard in that midfield, and that shows how highly rated he is. I mean, there are midfielders in Premier League history who are better than him at certain things. Frank Lampard, quite obviously a better goal scorer. Paul Scholes, probably a superior passer to Steven Gerrard. Um, Patrick Vieira, um, probably a better defender than Stevie was as um, as Makalele and N'Golo Kante. But could any of them do all of those things to as high a standard in one role as Stevie, I I really don't think so. I think you get the comparisons with Skulls and you get the comparisons with Lampard. I think they're incredibly different players. If you want to talk about a player who I think compared to Stevie in terms of an all-round contribution, I think the only one you can realistically make is Patrick Vieira. That is the only one that really fits the nature of Steven's game. And to have that level of influence across the pitch for him not to at at such a world-class standard when Zinedine Zidane 
arguably the best central midfielder of all time is saying that that Stevie is the best player in the world at one point. If you're having that level of influence and you're not in the Premier League Hall of Fame, that is an outrage as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think any any sensible football fan can absolutely acknowledge Stevie's talent, ability, and what he's achieved over the years. Um, he never quite did it for England on the same level. He got well over a hundred caps. I think only a couple of outfield players had more than Stevie. I think Rooney and Beckham maybe, but. He never quite worked in an England shirt in the same way it never quite worked for Frank Lampard in an England shirt. And there was always the old adage of, oh, Gerard and Lampard can't play together. Do we think that's true? Or do we think it's just that the managers at the time, you know, Sven Goran Eriksson, Fabio Capello, this was at a time where England was very much a 4-4-2 rigid system and Stevie or Frank, almost inevitably one of them ended up out wide at times to try and accommodate maybe a Scholes or maybe a Carrick as well. Do we think that Gerald and Lampard couldn't play together or just the managers we had just couldn't fit them in a system that worked with the rest of the team? 100% it could have worked. I, you can't tell me you can't have Paul Scholes as your city midfielder. and You've got Gerard going box to box and, and Lampard being a bit more of a forward of, of the three. That, that, to me, that seems to work. You know, It's down to the managers to to get those three players to play together. And ultimately, the managers we had weren't good enough to get that done. Um, you, you know, you can't use the excuse of of the times where obviously teams weren't playing with midfield three back in 2006, 2008, but Spain went and won the Euros playing a midfield three and they completely changed the game. And, you know, you can't tell me that the best option to get all three on the pitch was to play Gerard as a left midfielder and have Lampard and Scholes as central midfielders. It's... You know, it just doesn't make sense. Um, and I think, especially Svengorn Eriksson, will always have that shadow hanging over him of he was the manager who failed to get the best out of arguably the three best midfielders that this country has ever produced um, and forced Paul Scholes into retirement after Euro 2004. So, um, yeah, I think there's definitely a way you could have got Gerard and Lampard to play together. Um, and I'm sure there could have been a way to get the three of them, but certainly you, you, there has to be a way to get Gerard and Frank Lampard to play together. And it's just a shame for the country that we had such talent, such young talent as well, all playing at the same time. And yet we still couldn't have the manager to get the best out of the players that we had. I think this thing of Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard can't play together. Why do you think Jose Mourinho wanted to sign um, Gerard to come in to his Chelsea team at that point when England's golden generation was at its peak. Do you seriously think Jose Mourinho could not have got those two to play together? If he had had a midfield three of Steven Gerrard, Frank Lampard and Claude Makélélé, they would have swept all before them. That, that midfield would have been so perfectly balanced and England could have done the same thing. I think I understand the difficulty when you have Skulls, Gerard, and Lampard, none of whom particularly at the time. Skulls later on in his career moved further back, as did Stevie, but at that time, all three were seen as quite attacking midfielders. Um, they could have maybe played a diamond, um, maybe shift Skulls back earlier in his career, played Beckham on one side of the diamond, Gerard on the other, and Lampard as a 10 could have potentially worked. But 
after Skull's retirement, the midfield three possibility was absolutely there. Owen Hargreaves sitting as a six with Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard operating as two A's ahead of him. But it was because England had so many good point strikers at that time. Michael Owen, Wayne Rooney, um, Peter Crouch, when you came in, obviously not quite at the same level. But then you had, you know, the Robbie Fowlers of the world and all that. There were so many good point nines that no one wanted to try and play a 4-3-3 or something like that because they wanted to get, understandably, Wayne Rooney and Michael Owen um, on the pitch at the same time together. But it completely ruined the balance of the rest of the team to get those two strikers on there because England never had an issue um, in terms of their strikers not performing. When they did eventually get the ball, most of the time they'd scored. But if you can't get the ball to the strikers, the whole exercise is pointless. So... What would have been much better serving is to say to, let's be honest, Wayne Rooney at that point was a better player than Michael Owen was, was to say, would be to say to Owen, look, we need you on the bench and we'll bring you on later and have Wayne Rooney as a central striker at that point. They needed to adjust to allow England's best players in that midfield, including Stevie, to play at their optimum. And, that, and that's why the golden generation never performed is because there was no balance to a side. It was just trying to get the best names on the pitch. And Stevie obviously left Liverpool in 2015, went and had a couple of years out in LA, um, Los Angeles Galaxy. Just six months after he left, Jurgen Klopp comes in. Do we wish, well, I feel like the answer is going to be yes, but can you just imagine for one moment, Klopp and Gerard working together, even if it was just for a short time. I think Gerard said himself he regrets not sticking around for a little bit longer, but that could have been a match made in heaven, couldn't it? Gerard getting a big Klopp hug after a, after a win at Old Trafford or something. Hindsight is a wonderful thing in football, <laughs> but yeah, obviously it would have been would have been nice to obviously to see that happen, and obviously. I think Klopp could have done with Gerard's experience in the League Cup final and the Europa League final in his first season. And maybe that experience could have dragged Liverpool over the line, especially against Sevilla being 1-0 up. But yeah, the only thing that would have been sad about it is it wouldn't have been the Gerard that could run up and down the pitch. You know, it would have been a slightly different role. I don't think he would have had a massive part to play in the, the heavy metal football that, that Klopp likes to play because obviously... I think his best days were behind him in terms of his running ability and his pace for Gerard. But I think just I think it would have been nice for Gerard to play under the manager and pass the baton on to the guy who was going to bring the Premier League title to Liverpool. I think that would have been a nice touching moment. Um, but you know, Klopp still brings him back to help in in the youth team. So obviously there is still that relationship there. But yeah, would have been really nice to see. Yeah, it would have been great to see um, Stevie play under Klopp. I've just, I've just got this wonderful image in my head of Jurgen Klopp circa 2011, 2012, when Stevie still had some legs, when he, um, when he was still a top, top player. Um, the idea of Steven Gerrard, even earlier than that, playing in a 4-2-3-1 under Jurgen Klopp and sitting in that hole behind with, you know, a Fernando Torres or, you know, a mixture of Dortmund and Liverpool players up front. Completely hypothetical, but the idea of Gerard in that number 10 role at his prime in a Jurgen Klopp game pressing system would have just been something for the ages. Um, it, it, would, it would have been incredible in that role. 
Um, but unfortunately, it never came to pass. I know that Jurgen has often stated that if if Stevie was, you know, at the correct age and point in his career, he would absolutely have loved to coach him. And Stevie's often said he would have loved to play under a manager like Klopp. Um, but unfortunately, it's just a hypothetical that I will have to dream about um, <laughs> and um, never happened. But yeah, I, th- I think it's great to see that um, uh, Jurgen has managed to entrench himself into the club and form that relationship with Gerard because he understands how important, even after his departure to Scotland, um, Stevie is to the fabric of this club. And I really wouldn't be surprised um, once uh, Stevie's probably left Rangers and gone to a, um, maybe not bigger because Rangers is a huge club, but a a club more established in um, in the top echelons of Europe um, then he might replace Jürgen um, as Liverpool manager one day. And I'm sure that Jürgen would love to see that happen. We can dream about that, I'm sure. Um, so with all that considered, would we say that Steven Gerrard is Liverpool's greatest ever footballer? You've got the likes of, obviously, Kenny Dalglish is, the, is a big one. We've had Ian Rush, he's the top scorer. But given the teams he's had to play in, he's won everything but the league the way he's synonymous with the club, would you put Gerard as the greatest ever? For me, he is, but I think it's just because, obviously, I grew up watching Steven Gerrard play. I think if you speak to somebody of an older generation, they'll say that Kenny was by far the best player that had ever played for Liverpool. So I do think it is a toss-up between either Kenny or Stevie. Um and I think you can make a case for either of them, but personally, I would put Steven Gerrard above the above Kenny. And <clears throat> the reason I do that is because I think you know Kenny played in some unbelievable Liverpool sides, and that's where he got his. You know, the trophies were won because he played in such wonderful sides. The trophies that Gerrard won at Liverpool, he'd have he wasn't always in the greatest sides, and that's where I just base my judgment on is Gerrard did a lot with less. And I think that's just what sways it for me. Yeah, I think for me, I I, I just haven't watched enough of Dalglish to definitively say it, I don't think. Like, I, I, I agree with your argument to an extent, James, but, like, we don't know that if you drop um, Kenny Dalglish into the Liverpool teams that Stevie um, Stevie was in with current sports science that he wouldn't have the same impact on some pretty average teams that Stevie did. So I just what I will say is he's the best player that I have seen play for Liverpool over this period. He and Luis Suarez are fighting for that title, but I'll give it to Stevie. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't say he, that he's the best player to ever play for Liverpool because I just I haven't seen enough of Dalglish. I wish I had, but I'm unfortunately too um, too young and handsome to um, <laughs> to, <laughs> to to have um, uh, to have uh, seen Dalglish. Unfortunately, one of those things are true, listeners. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think it is obviously it's a massive, there's going to be a shift between generations over who is better. But I think what we can say is we've just been lucky to have so many greats over the years. Obviously, Dalglish has got the management side, which for his legacy, I guess, as well. But yeah, I agree with the sentiments of both of you that in terms of playing in my life, I've been fortunate to see Stevie play at Anfield, which is 
not everyone's been lucky enough to do so. Yeah, for me, he will always be number one in my in my lifetime. But I think I agree with Max. Can't say for sure because weren't around when wasn't around when Kenny and Rushy and the like were doing their thing. But I think that brings us neatly to the end of this week's show and the final in our series of the treble celebration wins. James, Max, it's been a great pleasure spending the last few weeks with you both talking about some of the guys who were part of that win 20 years ago, reminiscing over some of the wonderful players we've had. Yeah, no, it's been, it's been really good fun and good speaking to you as usual. Yeah, it's, um, it's been really nice. It's a period that, um, that I'll always remember really fondly is, you know, when I first started really getting into football properly and um, yeah, it's been great to have a chat with it about uh, a chat about it with you guys. See, I can't, I can't even speak properly. I'm so happy about the whole thing, Um, but yeah, really enjoyed it. And uh, listeners, I hope that you've enjoyed it as well. Absolutely. So thank you all for listening and until next time, goodbye. Owen on the turn and Gerrard's made a fine run. Steven Gerrard doubles Liverpool's lead.